0: Hey, you guys. Happy Friday. My friends, this is T, and you are tuned in to Burning Tarot. We are in the midst of Middle Oregon. Now, usually I go out on a nice walk for these. We go deep into the forest, if possible. And today I'm just lazing around on my back deck, sort of paralyzed by the loveliness of the sunshine, Drinking some of my decaffeinated coffee. Watching little plant starts. Watching them sprout. Watching little radish plants and fennel and things. We're keeping them in containers and we have them on a wagon and we wheel them in at night. Because it it freezes here at night up until like June. (laughs) How do you grow stuff here? Well, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. I have been enjoying and being annoyed by the noises out here on the back deck. Right now I hear the wind picking up. It might rattle in the microphone here. But today I'm also just very aware of of the energy of humans, the sounds we make, the strange electricity that we put off, that we put out into the world. And that we somehow use to connect with each other. We do that through the internet. Obviously. Oh, here comes that wind. And we do that through our objects, even our pets. So I've been hearing little birds and things and flies. But also a very distant hum of voices and music being listened to by my family, neighboring dogs and construction projects, we set ourselves up for taking in a lot. We give off a lot, we take in a lot, a lot of noise, a lot of visual information, a lot of vibe though in our culture we don't really acknowledge that and we don't have very good language for talking about it. It's another one of our sensory capacities to check out the energies and vibes and woo-woo, wishes and washes of any moment. We have our sense of, of feel, of touch, proprioception, smell, taste. It's all rather extraordinary, really. And sometimes we have to give those senses a rest. And sometimes we have to give them a new context in which to play, in which to sense and perceive and kind of feed our thinking self. For me, that's been a very interesting aspect of the COVID crisis. i early on dove into lots of posts and lots of texts and lots of internet connectivity with others. Pretty typical for me. I've been geeking out on this stuff since 1992. That is a long time. But about a week in, I just realized, oh my God, this is, this is doing me in. I don't need everybody's vibe and everybody's story from every place on the globe this is like actively harming my nervous system and so I stopped doing it I kind of shut down so for me that's been a big lesson of this is how to connect in ways that are contained such as these little broadcasts um and how to make plenty of room for my senses to reengage with the real world. I spend a lot of time in the woods anyway, but the necessity and urgency of grounding in earth, in our real bodies, in our senses, and on this real planet, that has felt very urgent and, and beautiful, like it's beckoning us, especially in the last few days. We do have a Taurus new moon coming up, so there could be that kind of Taurus influence. Um, But before I'd even looked at where the moon was going to be next, um, I noticed that some of the tarot readings, the individual readings I've been giving, um, there's a lot of this coming up. People are soaring with interesting energies. There's a lot of fire. There's a lot of royalty cards. There's a lot of this, a lot of that. But almost all, no, all the readings that I've done over the last week or so have had a really um, notable earth energy, a moment where they're encouraging us to dig into our earthly selves. And so, as I sat here on the back deck today, contemplating the loudness of humans and our pets, and our toys, and our machines, our music, and our invisible vibrations. I thought of how all that clutter, the human clutter, can kind of, it's so big that it desensitizes us. It desensitizes us to what nature has to offer. And by nature, I know we're part of nature, but you know what I mean, like... Let's look at a plant. Let's wander in the forest. Let's look at the ocean. We lose our ability to really sink in there and do it because our minds are expecting it to be framed a perfect way, like a picture or a video. Our minds and our senses get overwhelmed by a whole lot of mostly digital input, but other forms of input as well. And that can be just information, or it can be sensory stuff. Here's a picture. Here's a word. Um, And this is all science-based, incidentally. I've written numerous newspaper articles about this subject, about what our devices do to our brains and our senses. There's evidence that uh, this kind of thing, spending all your time on your computer, especially in kids, um, not only desensitizes us, it makes us less likely to feel real empathy for each other. Probably for the kind of people listening to this, this little handful of people who we are, we're probably not the kind of people who have trouble feeling empathy. Now, yeah, actually, maybe a few of us do. Many of us feel too much empathy, so we're not really that worried about it. But some people uh, do find it hard to actually feel what someone else is feeling, not just intellectually put ourselves in their shoes, but actually feel the feelings. And it's, it's one of the basic ways that we genuinely connect as people, is having empathy. And there's also kinesthetic sympathy, where we kind of, our bodies respond to, to seeing others doing things with their bodies. And we kind of mess up that process when we're feeding ourselves too many kind of human-constructed things to look at, even beautiful things like choreographed dance. If all you ever saw of humans moving around was choreographed dance, particularly if it were on a screen, this would really mess up how your body relates to space and movement. Um, So this is interesting stuff, I'm kind of blathering along about it too much here. Uh, I feel like there's a call to ground ourselves in our real bodies even at the time when many of us are having less access to the outdoors and to nature we still have the body might even have nature things around our homes that we're stuck in if something is made of wood if something is a piece of fruit a flower in a flower pot there you go you're playing with nature there And the way to enable ourselves to really get something out of that is to dial down the human clutter noise. I feel that the card I pulled for us this weekend, uh, it's not super earthy, but it really speaks to that need to separate oneself in order to just not have so much input and to find out who one actually is down in there. I pulled the Hanged Man. This is a fun and weird kind of a card. And uh, today I'm not using the Burning Tarot version of it, uh, which was painted by Steve Fritz. I'm using the Golden Tarot by Cat Black. So we have a man... Um. Hung up by one foot. Well, kind of two feet. But one foot is um, basically strung up on a, you know, a tree, a cross kind of thing. Hands behind him. Modestly, barely clothed. Um, And he looks rather contemplative. He doesn't look super duper uncomfortable. In some decks, the hanged man looks rather smug. This one does not. There's a sense of stoppage with the hanged man. The hanged man has put himself in this position in order to gain new perspective, to stop the everyday. If his everyday path was walking from the building you might see in the background of this card over the rolling hills um, to the beach, well, that path has been interrupted He's hanging upside down in the middle of it. So there is a disruption of routine, and there is a moment of contemplation. While the dude's upside down, everything looks different. I mean, really. When's the last time you did that, like hung your head upside down over the edge of a bed and looked around you? Or even laid down in the forest where you could where you could, uh, see look up into the branches and see the sky. It's a very different perspective. My son mentioned that the other day. He had flopped his head over something and was upside down, and he began to describe this amazing world he was seeing. And I thought, wow, that world is available to me all the time. How often do I actually go and look at it that way? Not so often. I am doing a little better with gazing up into the stars, the clouds, the sky with more frequency, finding a place to lay myself down so I can do that comfortably, because I have some neck problems so I feel that the hanged man, he's uh, up on his tree, so he's offering an example to people he's definitely doing his own weird thing Uh, he's not really that concerned about you know what somebody in the building on that hill over there thinks about him he's got some he's he's undergoing a process and there are various mythologies in which someone gets hung on a tree (laughs) i'm sure you're aware of some of those norse christian whatever um i won't go into all that but this is basically an opportunity for a new perspective new contemplation new context or a better different way of seeing the old context flip the sucker upside down flip yourself upside down it's very interesting it's got the pause built into it which is also nice what does the hanged man hope to do or learn what dangers await him I honestly think in this case the hanged man is really just trying to stop and rest and is genuinely trying to see things in a different light. He knows it's his job. It's not everybody's job. Not everybody has to hone their perspective or try to see different contexts. Many people are not driven to do that at all. But for those who are, this is an extremely good moment to do so. The hanged man is often a very important stop on the way to a big transformation for many of us. What else can we say? Hanged man has a, um, rather a big issue. He can become a martyr. Now if we think of the man, the hanged man, as a kind of Jesus figure, as a burning man getting burned on Saturday night a lot of stuff can get projected onto this dude and he may openly welcome that and he may suggest that through his hanging through his potential death or fire or transformation he will take everybody else's sins with him and that of course is the fundamental um, story really that we get from the the Christianity side of things, and it really influences a lot in America. It influences how certain very influential and large bodies of uh, religious practitioners view themselves. They want to be martyrs, sorta, and they want to see their leaders as martyrs, sorta. So they develop really large persecution complexes and people like our current president are very good at playing off of that dynamic it's one thing that I feel uh, whenever I hear people who were raised atheist and are now liberals and they're complaining about the religious right I want to jump in uh, with my own background uh, as a former born again Christian I want to jump in there and go you guys you're not speaking the right language here this religion, which is evident in our culture in many different ways, encourages us to be martyrs and to admire martyrs and to feel good about being persecuted. So I don't know if that plays into your feelings this weekend or how you're viewing yourself or your particular situation during this weird crisis, or maybe even how you feel about the issues that you care about. There's this martyrdom thing that we do. I'm, I'm, quite good at it myself, incidentally meaning like I can slide into that way too easily and then kind of wake up one day and go "What? How, I'm, how, how come I'm like hanging on a cross here all I was trying to do was sort of volunteer for this one thing and I got in way too deep or sacrificed too much of myself for a family member or a friend or a community or a relationship I'm not super great at that you guys this kind of thing happens to me all the time so I'm not trying to be judgy on any of you But if you find that your actions right now are pushing you towards martyrdom, if you're finding ways to take offense and feel persecuted, either yourself or people like you, you might want to dial that back. If you're listening to podcasts that feature peach- Feature peachels? What? (laughs) That feature people who tend to frame things that way. Poor us, we're the rebels in the fight. Uh, or TV shows, political commentary. Poor us. Well, we're going to fight. We might get through this. Oh. If there's that kind of vibe going on for you right now, I'd keep an eye on it. Turn it down. Turn down the volume on that. Just like we can turn down the volume on our input in general so that we have a little bit of space and energy for receiving sensory and other messages from the earth, its animals, its plants, this beautiful thing that we're really part of. Uh, Hanged Man suggests don't let your own martyrdom or your admiration of somebody else's martyrdom, your drive to feel persecuted because everything isn't perfect. Don't let that stuff get in your way or keep you stuck. Enjoy the aspects of the Hanged Man experience that are bringing you toward peace, contemplation, and transformation. The Hanged Man is an essential part of a big process. Many people like to look at the major arcana of the tarot and see it as a hero's journey or ongoing mythological, metaphoric, spiritual, esoteric process, journey, path. So if you look at it that way, <clears throat> um, the Hanged Man is card 12 in a journey that is 22 cards long. So it's just about at the middle, right? So it's a significant part of the journey where we change perspective, stop, and allow ourselves to get ready for the real transformation. The card that typically follows it in the deck is the 13, which is the death card. That might mean the big transformation, the big D, dying. But generally, when we pull the death card, it's about transformation. It's about change. And our own participation in that change plays a role. Death card doesn't usually just show up because some random thing happens to you. It's part of a bigger process. And the hanged man prepares us for that transformation moment. We could look at him as the caterpillar. Well, we were doing a nature sit spot the other day, my son and I. And I saw to my delight that on a branch up above me, because I was lying on my back to get more different perspective, I saw a caterpillar that was almost invisible. It was the same pattern and color as the bark of the branch of the ponderosa pine. And we talked a lot about how that caterpillar was going to eventually either get eaten by a bird, lots of birds out here, or spin itself into a cocoon. That cocoon process would mirror our death process in the tarot there's an underworld journey there's a stillness and a going deep, maybe going dark and uh, I'm influenced by the astrologer April Shaley I want to give a shout out to her and if you need a deep astrological reading or want to listen to some very interesting weekly astro uh, podcast type of reports please find April Shaley April with an E She's wonderful, and she inspired me to switch over to uh, doing MP3-style readings instead of on the phone and in person. So, thank you, April. Anyway, April, uh, April has a great way of talking about what happens to that caterpillar inside its cocoon. She's like, it spits all over itself, and then it's dissolved into nothing. She says, it's not cute. She's got this awesome New York accent. Um, so, so when I look at that magical transformative process, oh, yay, the caterpillar is going to have beautiful wings when it comes out of its cocoon. I always think of April going, it's not cute. And I recently read a piece about how that process of the caterpillar getting ready to transform or actually doing the transformation it's, it really is almost just completely dissolved in its cocoon. And scientists are using this wonderful phrase to describe the cells that somehow result in the caterpillar rebuilding and coming out as a butterfly. They are called imaginal cells. Isn't that awesome? Imaginal cells. So my son and I were talking about that looking up the branch the other day. And I would say that that hanged man phase, that's the caterpillar on the branch, slowing down and looking. We don't want to be a martyr. We don't want the bird to come and eat us. We actually want to get to that next phase where we spin the cocoon, where we, frankly, just have the balls to take our underworld journey and let Natural changes occur in us, and we already have these imaginal cells in us, but they're not going to result in us turning into a butterfly if all we're doing is watching Netflix and um Rachel Maddow and freaking out about stuff right. These imaginal cells are part of us, but we have to give them the conditions under which they can start building the butterfly the conditions under which they get to say what happens next. So that's what I'm getting from this hanged man. We're all little caterpillars, pausing on our branches. Is the butterfly part next? Well, we'll find out. But it'll be nice to put ourselves in the kind of mental state where if that transformation, underworld journey, if that makes itself available to us, we'll be able to go on the journey because we've done some of this work. We've hung on the branch. We've gained new perspective. We've paused. So, that's what I got for you for this lovely weekend. I'm probably going to reduce these to about once a week because I am doing a lot of private readings. Uh, There's a discount code posted on the website, tiffanyleebrown.com slash shop and that's s-h-o-p-p-e ye old tarot shop um, so during covid I've lowered prices and also posted a discount so if you want some personal cards drawn for you I'm happy to do that uh, but I have a limited number of readings that I can do in any given week or month um, <clears throat> so as I am helping people with their personal situations these um these little podcasts are probably going to be once a week from now on instead of multiple times but i think we've gotten through the toughest part of this i hope and let's keep going together our little handful of brave you know journeyers (laughs) all right caterpillars love you bye